0: Hello and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And
1: I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Where the Crawdads Sing. Where the Crawdads Sing was written by Delia Owens and was published in 2018.
0: And the film adaptation, which came out this year, 2022, was directed by Olivia Newman.
1: And here we are doing one of the most popular books in the last five years. I'm
0: really shocked when uh, I looked it up and saw that this book came out four years ago. Yeah. Because it's still so... And I know some of that resurgence is probably due to the film coming out. Mm -hmm. But like this book is still widely discussed and talked about and, like, brought up and...
1: Yeah, and I was reading a couple articles about it that even came out in, like, 2019 even that were shocked at the popularity of it.
0: Yeah. Because
1: this was a debut novel by Mm. a woman who's, like, 70-something.
0: That also shocked me. (laughs) Which
1: is pretty rare um, in the publishing industry, and it just completely took off and was very much, like, a word-of-mouth kind of, like, spreading type of thing where... You know, readers were suggesting it to each other. And then, of course, Reese Witherspoon chose it as her book club selection. Yes. And she is what people are calling, like, the modern-day Oprah Winfrey book club influencer.
0: Reese Witherspoon? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I mean... Yeah, if, especially if there's like a woman suspected of murder or involved <laughs> with murder, you know, Reese Witherspoon's going to be there to, to to buy the rights to that up. Yes,
1: she famously helped produce Gone Girl to make that yeah, happen. Yeah, which
0: is super interesting and something I didn't even know about till we were just watching the credits of that movie and I was like, Reese Witherspoon.
1: Yeah, and her production company, Hello Sunshine, also uh, produced this movie.
0: Yes, yeah. So interesting kind of context and uh, lead up to this movie coming out. Everything was in place uh, for this to be a big a big film. Mm-hmm. Additionally, Daisy Edgar Jones. Starring in it, who we recently talked about with Normal People, which was a breakout role for her.
1: Yeah, and Under the Banner of Heaven.
0: And, yeah, Jesus, I forgot about Under (laughs) the Banner of Heaven. We've talked so much
1: about Daisy Edgar Jones lately. She was
0: also in that movie Fresh that was on Hulu with uh, Sebastian Stan. Mm -hmm. She's just been fucking everywhere. (laughs) How long can she get away with playing a teenager, Adina? (laughs) Because we criticized her with this on Normal People. Yes. And she's... I'm guessing older in this than she was in that.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So she's at least like the same age looking like she doesn't look older, but still, I'm still there are points in this where I'm like, how old are you playing right now? I know
1: the, the younger age parts, however old this character is supposed to be in the film in the movie. She's supposed to be 15 or in the book. She's supposed to be 15 in the movie. I don't know what age she is.
0: They said the year, when that part came up. Yeah. But I didn't pay attention to. To math. Where it started. Yeah, I wasn't doing, <laughs> I wasn't writing down the numbers and doing the math. Yes. In the theater when we saw this, so.
1: <laughs> and of course, Taylor Swift uh, wrote an original song for this movie. Yeah. Which, if that wasn't en- enough to get everybody hyped, I don't know what is. And, you know, here we are doing it too, giving into the hype. I mean, Ian and I kind of, since the pandemic has happened, have really not done any movie theater adaptations. No, no, And we kind of hate them, to be honest. <laughs> it's really tough for us to watch the film in the theater and then take notes either during the film, in the dark, or immediately after and try to remember everything that happened. It's very inconvenient for us, note taking wise. And
0: yeah. And you know, one episode, maybe the only episode I wish we could go back and redo is Annihilation. Yeah. Because that was one we did in the theater. And that Situation was, you know, what happened, and plus, like, we our seats were terrible, yes. And that movie is so has so much like visual context and like metaphor, and like trying to remember, and we were trying it to all. take notes, and I yeah. felt like lost a little bit. When <laughs> we were doing the episode, so I, I was a little bit uh scarred by that experience, <laughs> but I think this is a better suited adaptation to discuss seeing it in the theater,
1: yes. So, now that we've super hyped it up, <laughs> here we are at this episode. Uh, Yeah, let's get into it.
0: So the book and film both begin in the same way with the discovery of a dead body by the fire tower. Mm -hmm. Uh, The setting is North Carolina, right? Along the coast in the marshland swamp region.
1: 1969.
0: Yes. 1969 when the body is discovered.
1: Yes. Two young boys find this body. The police are soon called out. And there's some interesting things that they notice right away. I mean, first of all, is that the body belongs to Chase Andrews, who is the town's golden boy they make the comment about him being the best quarterback oh, the, the town ever had
0: best, best damn quarterback we ever had <laughs> <laughs> i'm like all right
1: <laughs> okay we get it anyway the they're looking at this and it seems like he fell from this abandoned fire tower to his death and at first it seems like, well, maybe he fell. There are these grates that are kind of open and it's it's abandoned and rickety. But then the evidence sort of seems to point to him falling backwards, possibly being pushed.
0: Yes, the back of his head is what is like the most like fractured and damaged and the main cause of death. That, no footprints, mm-hmm. kind of just suspicious. And they later discover red fibers on his jacket that aren't. Matching any clothing that he wore. So a hint that someone else had been there. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, I think this is where we get our first kind of... I mean, honestly, this adaptation is super close to the book, right? It is. Book and movie, tone, pacing... Events. Events, like, all really close together. But the beginning is actually fairly different. And I think to the advantage, at least, of the movie. Because this investigation... Happens very quickly. Yeah. Where they discover these key factors. They hear kind of through the grapevine from the local townspeople that, like, oh, I bet that Marsh girl had something to do with it. She's crazy. And yeah. And
1: then you're like, other people are saying, oh, they were seeing each other for a while. Yeah. They had a thing going on. And yeah, it's interesting because the way the book is told it immediately flashes back to Kaya, our main character, and her childhood. And then throughout the book, we kind of go back to 1969, and we check in on the cops doing their super ineffective investigation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just bumbling around, Yeah, they're eating donuts, they're eating
1: food all the time. But we are checking in on the investigation, and I do do think it keeps the book kind of moving, because it keeps reminding you that you're reading the story of a girl growing up, but somebody does die, and you're wondering how you get there.
0: Yeah, I guess my thing, though, is in the book, you know where the investigation is going to end up. You know yeah. that they're going to accuse Kaya yes. of the murder and bring her in. So, like, the really long, prolonged investigation and piecing together of clues leading up to her arrest. This The movie gets that part out of the way right at the beginning. Yes. And then her trial is the part that's kind of, like, portioned off Across her backstory keeps going back to the, I'll say the present day. Yeah. To cover how the trial's going. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I found the trial to be actually really interesting. Yeah. And I think it kind of makes more sense to parse the trial out throughout the story, as opposed to this investigation when you know... Where they're going to be led to. Yeah,
1: I think it works just fine in the book, but I agree that it wouldn't have made sense to do it that way in the movie. Yeah. And to get, they had just arrest Kaya because they find this hat that matches the fibers on Chase's clothing in her cabin and so they arrest her immediately in the movie and she's being held in a a cell awaiting trial and so we kind of get that out of the way we have this lawyer come in and he's talking to her trying to find out more about her life he wants to represent her he doesn't believe that she's guilty and then this is where kaya is kind of like let me tell you about my life. And it's sort of a vehicle for the flashbacks.
0: Yeah, which I think makes sense, you know, kind of giving the film this structure as to like why we're jumping back in time when we do. Yeah. So let's get into her past, into her backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, The story begins when she is like seven, six, six or seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is growing up in this shack in the marshlands of North Carolina with her family. She has a dad and mom, a, a a cluster of older siblings. Yeah. I'm not sure how many there are. <laughs> the the book and movie are both like, there were some siblings, but then they very quickly left. So who cares? Yeah. She had an, her closest in age sibling. Her brother, Jody is who she was closest to. Mm-hmm. But, but there are problems with the family.
1: Yeah. We find out a lot of this stuff, you know, at different points during the book and movie, but you know, Kaya's mom leaves the family and we know that Kaya's mom leaves because Kaya's father is abusive to both her and the children and that Kaya's mom kind of reached a breaking point and just left Kaya feels super abandoned and devastating by her mom leaving and I think it's a totally natural reaction in a child to not understand the circumstances that would have led her mother to leave. Yeah, yeah. But the, the fallout from this is what you were saying. All her other siblings leave too because their father is continuing to be abusive and everybody wants to leave. But the result is sadly that Kaya is the only one left at this house in the woods or in the swamp with her father who doesn't take care of her.
0: Yeah, so their relationship is, uh, oh boy, it is very terrible. The dad Mm -hmm. disappears. I mean, he he continues to struggle with his alcoholism and drinking, and he goes on these benders where he disappears for days at a time to play poker, and just this little six-year-old girl is like... On uh, her own. Yeah, I guess I have to cook for... And not only, like, take care of herself, but also... There's kind of this expectation put on her now to take care of the house, to do the laundry, to do all the chores. Mm -hmm. And she is a child.
1: Yeah, it's really sad, but Kaya is very much kind of finding her way and finding her own independence. She doesn't really want anybody else to help her. Mm -hmm. And she does eventually go to school. One day.
0: (laughs) One day. (laughs) is One day
1: she goes to school. That's
0: how long it lasts.
1: Yeah. And this is where we kind of find out about how the town closest to where she lives is super prejudiced against everybody who lives in the swamp. And they call her the Marsh Girl. And she comes to school and everybody mocks her and is just super cruel. And she runs away and never comes back. And I find this kind of interesting because in the book, when we're talking about people who live in the marshlands at this time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Delia Owens, the author kind of gives some backstory on this group of people who used to live in the marshlands and how a lot of them were escaped slaves and like, yeah, kind of these, these communities of, people who lived off the grid and were very much to themselves. But then the only Marsh people we ever hear about is Kaya and her family. There's nobody else who lives in the Marsh.
0: I I have the exact same issue where she has somehow become, like, this weird myth in the town of, like, oh, the Marsh Girl who, lives by herself. And I'm like, she can't be the only redneck type person who lives off the grid kind of in the swamp.
1: In fact, the book tells us that there's a whole community of people.
0: Yeah, that's what it alludes to at the beginning. Yeah. And then there aren't any. And she's made out to be some kind of anomaly that everyone finds to be very off-putting and strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found this to be a weird... Contradiction Because I found the history, the brief history given of this area at the beginning. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. This kind of network of people that just kind of all claimed land. Yeah. That like many of them don't own, but also no one wants because... It's it, swampland. It's swampland and it's, you can't grow or do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just weird
1: yeah we have allusions to the colored part of town but that feels more like it belongs to the town and not to the swamp
0: yeah and that feels like a community of people that choose to live together not like just a bunch of people in the same area yeah so yeah very strange and especially given the fact that and I, i will be touching on this again i can't help it but kaya as a child in the film is probably at her most Dirty and disheveled. Yeah. And prone to being like mocked or looked at weirdly. Mm -hmm. Other points in the film, though, she's just like in town.
1: Wearing normal clothes. Wearing
0: perfectly normal and appropriate clothing. Yeah. Shopping, doing things. (laughs) Yeah. But people are still like, oh, my God, like it's the Marsh girl. Yeah. It's like, this is weird. (laughs) What are you looking at? I don't get it. Yeah.
1: What's the what's the thing here? But. Regardless of why this is happening or what the circumstances are, Kaya is shunned from the town and nobody really cares about her. And she feels like she's being mocked and abused. So she never goes back to school. Things are kind of like, okay, with her dad for a while. And we learn some about his backstory about him, you know, being in World War Two and having like a lot of you know, probably PTSD from that and also having like a a leg injury from that time too.
0: Yeah, and he either suffering, like you said, PTSD or what they would have called shell shock
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and medicating himself with alcohol. There's an interesting part where he gives Kaya a bag that used to be his like from the military mm-hmm. and this is one of the only parts in the film that i can think of that has a level of subtlety yes or subtext to it that i really liked mm-hmm. it leads nowhere it no. doesn't build on anything <laughs> like it, it is just it's, it's a little isolated yeah. asteroid of subtext but after he gives her the bag She's like, oh, thanks. And she kind of goes to run away and he starts to say like, oh, it was mine in the military. Yeah. But she's kind of not listening and she runs away. Mm -hmm. And I just liked this moment of him trying to connect with her. Yeah. Maybe trying to tell her about his past, Mm -hmm. but struggling to relate to his daughter Mm -hmm. and seeing that on display give some depth to that character that I appreciated.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we we get this information in the book that's kind of just dropped On us a bit about Kaya's mother and father and how they met and a little bit about her dad. It's like a little interlude in the book where we find out all this information (laughs) just in time for him to like become a piece of shit again.
0: Yes. Fall off the wagon, start drinking, being gone longer and longer Mm -hmm. stretches of time until one day he just goes and never comes back.
1: But first he burns a letter. Oh,
0: right. The letter that
1: um, Kaya's mom sends to them. And Kaya cannot read because she doesn't go to school, Remember, mm-hmm. and the dad opens the letter and burns it. And so Kaya never gets to read or find out if her mom was asking about her or if yeah. her mom was going to come back at any time. This is very cruel and sad for poor Kaya.
0: It is. It's very devastating. She saves the ashes in like a little jar. It's devastating. And then that's like around the time the dad leaves. Very shortly after that. Because I think that's what triggers his drinking again. Yeah. And then he 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 fucks off. And I like the uncertainty of what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Was it, oh, he just decided he didn't want to come back anymore? Did he fucking walk into the, the marsh and drown? Yeah. Drunk? No <laughs> yeah. one knows what happened to him. He's just gone. And mm-hmm. he never reappears in the book.
1: No, we never find out what happens to him. At this point, I think Kai is maybe nine or ten Uh, It's tough to say, in the book anyway, but she's in this particular situation, right? She is on her own, completely alone. It's just her in this tiny shack in the marsh, and she has no money. No money. And she has no food.
0: No way of making food. Yeah. She is in... I, I don't know, one of the worst situations yeah. a child could ever be in. hmm Yeah, it's it's really bad. The book does get into more of her food scarcity, what she tries to do to either stretch food out,
3: mm-hmm.
0: how she maybe gets money like from her dad early on to buy food, but how she's making things work for a bit. Yeah. And I do like getting into the details of that early on. hmm Uh, Her solution for money, at least, is to go and dig up mussels from the marsh and then take them to a local store and sell them for money. Yeah. The store is owned by Jumpin' and his wife.
1: Mabel. Mabel,
0: thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And this this warrants an entire discussion, I think.
1: Yeah, Jumpin's is like a little kind of gas station convenience store all in one place that's on the water for people who are fishing in the swamp in the marsh and also coming in from um the ocean too and here's the situation we have two different things to talk about we have to talk about the fact that kaya is this young kid coming yes. in selling for money and clearly jumping in mabel two adults recognize that she has been abandoned yeah And they don't do anything about it. No. I mean, they do, right? Because, like, they help her. They end up, you know, giving her money for these muscles, making sure she has cash. They end up, you know, bringing her clothes so she has stuff to wear. Mabel ends up teaching Kaya how to grow a garden so she can support herself. But, like, they don't call anybody. No. You know? And, in
0: fact, they actively... Mislead like social services and anyone who asks about Kaya. Yeah, they'll say, "Oh yeah, no, I saw her dad recently." And, yeah, like covering for her so she doesn't get taken by the government or whatever. But
1: I'm like, you, they need. Yeah, to. no,
0: she needs a, she needs someone to watch out for her.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the book is saying, no, no, she wanted to be in the marsh. She loves the marsh. She never wants to be taken away from that. And I'm like, okay, I get it, but she's nine yeah she doesn't get to decide that because she's nine and she has to be fed she has to be clothed she has to be educated she has to have someone who she has to have an idea of safety which she doesn't have living by herself completely alone
0: literally anything could happen to her yeah there's one part of the book that i liked where she is playing by herself and she steps on a rusted nail. Yeah. And has to pull it out of her foot. And she was told by Jody, you know, years ago about lockjaw and mm-hmm. getting uh, and needing a tetanus shot. If you ever step on anything rusty or cut yourself and she's freaking out, she's like, yeah. Oh my god, my jaw's gonna lock up, and she's like panicking and a couple days pass and lo- She just
1: waits it out. Yeah.
0: She doesn't go get help, she doesn't no. do anything. And she's just fucking lucky that nothing happens to her. And that's just such a good demonstration of the kind of shit that can and will inevitably happen to her. Yeah. Being a child taking care of herself on her own.
1: But this is like the only situation in the book. Yes. And none of them, none of these situations happened in the movie where we're like, oh, this is bad. You know, it's very much like, and then she just like survived and like made it work. And I'm like, no, she should be. In an orphanage or in a foster care system, like I know those systems are not perfect, but like she should not have to fend for herself.
0: Yeah, the the book really just romanticizes this entire idea of Kaya living in nature and being a part of nature mm-hmm. and the beauty of nature. And once you know she solves a problem like food, right? You know, what's she going to eat? Well, she'll sell mussels and grow crops. Yeah. And then we'll never talk about it again. She's set for life on food (laughs) and for money. Yeah. Uh, She stepped on a nail once. That's that's the worst thing that happened to her. Yeah. She never fell and broke a leg or like burned herself or Or even
1: got the flu and had no one to take care of her. Yeah.
0: No, everything was fine. (laughs) And here's the thing is there's just there's no nuance about what it means to remove yourself from society to choose to live in nature and away from people. And I get it's like a little complicated because she kind of grew up in that situation, so it was less of a choice. Yeah. But there's still a lot of nuance to discuss there. And a book that I think tackles this very subject so well that we've talked about in the past is Into the Wild. Yes. The true story of a young man who was determined to kind of like make his own way and like live in the Alaskan wilderness. And he fucking died there. Yeah. And... It really talks about not only him as an individual and his mindset, but also that type of person Mm -hmm. and what it means to live in nature, the indifference of nature, like the dangers and risks of that and how you put your life on the line. And is it kind of antisocial, almost mentally ill behavior? Mental illness. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much (laughs) interesting stuff that can be talked about with this and this book doesn't even touch on any of it.
1: No, it's like, oh, but the pretty birds. Though. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, people just don't understand. Yeah. The shells. <laughs> the shells, Adina.
1: The creatures used to live inside yeah. them. It's not just the shells. <laughs> <laughs> but on to our next topic that we need to discuss. Oh, at this yes. Part, which is jumping in maple, which are, you know, this book and movies only black characters. And this is 1969 in North Carolina. So we're in the South and we're in, you know, the 60s. So there's a lot of racism and there's this colored part of town, Mm -hmm. right? Segregation happening. And like, I don't know what the answer is, Ian. I don't like these characters, but I also don't know how I would feel if there were no black characters,
2: Yeah.
1: but it's just like Jumpin' and Mabel are very much stereotypes, right? Like Jumpin' is a very like kind of happy-go-lucky jovial, jovial like fatherly
0: yeah black man a, a, a
1: man that they call jumpin' because he's like always jumping around to help the
0: ye- customers ye- coming in i'm just gonna say his nickname makes him sound like a minstrel character i
1: know yeah it's
0: really bad and
1: then mabel is your stereotypical like black you know mother figure who's you know taking care of kaya is very like nurturing it talks about
0: her Large bosom, so many times. Bosom, Bosom. I you can say bosom too. Can't? Wait, no, you can't.
1: (laughs) That's one of those words that you read and then you say it out loud and you're like, wait, that's wrong.
0: (laughs) And I'm doing it live.
1: We're doing it live.
0: (laughs) Bosom. Uh, Yeah, just bosom. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Uh, But just like her physical appearance, right? Yeah. she feels like she should be on a pancake syrup I was going to say,
1: yeah, on the syrup. <laughs> yeah,
0: just so, but to be, I shouldn't say to be fair, uh, a lot of the side characters in this book are very one dimensional. Yes. And they also all talk in a very stereotypical Southern way. Yeah. Saying ain't and y'all a lot and using really ridiculous expressions. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard to separate that from the black characters because that's <laughs> such a stereotype of black people from this time. Yeah. And I'm like, is this just kind of not really thinking this through and you wrote them with the same voice as a lot of other people and it just comes across way worse? Mm-hmm. Or is there some prejudice in there, which might be tied to the author, which we might talk about at the end of this?
1: Yeah. But also, <laughs> like, there is also an importance in preserving like the vernacular of what people might have talked about at that time and like how they might've sounded. So like there's that too. And I want to acknowledge that, but yeah, just the fact that they are these side characters that are mainly there to support Kaya, this young white girl, not great. I don't love it.
0: Yeah. And especially when you compare that there's this prejudice Mm -hmm. against Kaya, a white girl, Throughout this whole story, that's really focused on, yeah, and the prejudice against black people is brought up and addressed, but it's kind of making the case that Kaya's like worse the off same or the or worse. same, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no,
1: no, it isn't. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. Yeah.
0: So now that Kaya is is making it on her own in the in the marsh, turning into a young Woman flowering into womanhood. Yes. Let's introduce uh, a handsome, young but older boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of Tate. Yes.
1: At this time, Kaya is fourteen, about to be fifteen. Yes. And Tate is eighteen, about to be nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting times. But Tate ends up leaving feathers for her, and we find out later that he was actually friends with Jody. Back in the day when her brother Jody was still around. So he kind of knew about Kaya. And there was one encounter where he helps her get back because she's lost in the marsh at one point. He helps her get back to her cabin when she's much younger on the boat. But, you know, at this time when she's around 14, 15, he starts leaving her things, leaving her feathers. He knows that she likes to collect Items from the marsh, shells, feathers, other things about the creatures that live in the marsh.
0: Which, how does he know this? I don't Is know. he just, because, like, also, the place he's leaving them for her isn't, like, next to her house, necessarily. Yeah. Like, it's kind of away from her house. Maybe
1: he saw her there. He was spying on her.
0: Maybe, but to leave, I, I just thought the setup of this was, like, weird. Yeah. How... He was thinking, oh, I'm going to leave these feathers for her because I somehow know she likes feathers and I'm going to put them here Mm -hmm. because she's sometimes in this area. (laughs) I don't know. So they begin this exchange of leaving and taking feathers for each other for their collections. And Kaya really likes us at first because she gets to get new things and she doesn't have to talk to anyone. (laughs)
1: very antisocial. Yes. But they eventually start talking, and they do bond over their shared love for wildlife and the marsh. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot that they they both have in common, and they both like talking about these different creatures and everything. But Tate soon realizes that Kaya, even though she's 14 at this time and super knowledgeable about, you know, the plant life and animal life in the marsh, doesn't know how to read.
0: Yeah, and he's like, I can teach you how to read. She's like, you can teach me how to read. (laughs) And then we get what is a montage in both book and movie. Yeah. Of him giving her reading lessons.
1: Yeah. I don't know what it is about this. But it is so awful, Ian. I hate this so much. I think it's so dumb. (laughs) It's
0: maybe the worst thing in this whole book.
1: And I don't know why I have such a strong aversion to it. It just sounds so silly. It's
0: so cliche. I can't even name anything. The only thing that I could think of is there's an episode of Community that makes fun of this trope. Yeah, And it does it to a T, where it's kind of a story within a story. And the one character is like, wait teach me to read. <laughs> and then it's like literally a five second montage of him sounding out words. And then he's like reciting poetry. Yeah. And I'm like, that's this. That's exactly this. I
1: mean, I think it's a common trope of teaching like a savage person mm-hmm. and like giving them culture. Yeah. So I think this is an unfortunate thing that shows up when dealing with indigenous people. Yeah. Um, Stories like that. And then also people who maybe don't speak the language, things like that. So it just feels super demeaning. I also thought of the scene from 51st Dates where Adam Sandler pretends (laughs) that he can't read so Drew Barrymore's character will come talk to him and it's really funny. (laughs) It's funny that we can only
0: think of things that make fun of this trope, but we can't, like, any earnest other examples of Mm -hmm. this. But really, though, it's just her sounding out words and then she's writing and he's like, that's so good, Kaya. And then she reads uh, a sentence from the beginning of an almanac, and it's sounding poetic. And she's like, "Wow, I never knew words could have so much meaning to them." <laughs> and it's just so corny. It's so
1: cringy. I, I almost—I think I did laugh out loud in the theater. I did when too. It, she just has a drawing of a leaf, <laughs> yeah. and then the like the letters L E E F, leaf. Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: like. I can't handle this. <laughs> it's just given like no like actual weight. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah it's just like I'll teach you to read and it'll be easy and, and then, then it, it is and then it is easy. And then
1: she's a genius and then she's
0: like, wow, I can read. <laughs> I can read textbooks now. I can learn biology. I yeah. can read poetry. I
1: can teach myself chemistry and like, every, all of this stuff. Every
0: door is open to me now. <laughs> I also don't like that there's a couple different things in the, this story that give Tate like a lot of credit. Yeah. For where Kaya ends up, this mm-hmm. being one of them, where she's like, oh, without you, I'd have nothing. <laughs> because you taught me to read. Yeah. And it's like I, I I guess, I don't know. I
1: guess you have to marry him now. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> You owe it to him. Yeah. You yeah, know, this it's just it's so painful and it's painfully earnest everything about this part of the story especially in the yeah. book and movie is just so syrupy sincere mm-hmm. and 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 just ah uh.
1: I got to say, seeing it visually was much worse than reading about it for me. I mean,
0: at this part of the movie, I was laughing a lot. (laughs) Just everything kind of just started striking me as being like really absurd and funny. And there's a part where he gets her a birthday cake yeah. and he cuts a slice out of it and he cuts a wedge, but it's like at a weird <laughs> angle that no one, no sane person would ever cut a, a cake that way. And I literally in the theater was like, what is he doing? She was
1: like, don't cut. Cause he wrote her name on it and she didn't want him to cut her name. Yeah. But he could have cut it from like a different part of the cake yeah. that didn't have her name on it. Instead he makes like. The weirdest triangle shape you've ever seen in your life.
0: <laughs> it was just like a thing. Like, I just got the giggles at this point in the movie. And I was, I just, that part struck me so funny. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Tate, you know, teaches her how to read. They bond a lot. She's learning poetry and everything else. Yeah. And Tate is like, I don't know if she's like a sister to me Or if I, like, really want to fuck her.
3: um,
0: I'm really, like, between those two very similar points. (laughs)
1: Very similar but different (laughs) ideas. Yeah, this is not good. This is very much like the feels like the born sexy yesterday trope. 1,000%. Which is this idea of, like, the mind of a full-grown woman in, like, a... No, or reverse. A reverse. The mind of a child in a full-grown woman's body.
0: Yes. Yeah. And them being, like, childlike. And and literally, like, the most basic man seems impressive to them. Yeah. Just Any me-
3: man
1: could teach them this stuff. I <laughs> know. Kind of.
0: Tate just happened to come along and be like, I know how to read. I can probably... And she's
1: like, <gasps> oh, my
0: God. Uh, there's a line yes. where Tate is talking to his dad. His dad is like, I've heard... That you've been hanging out with that Marsh girl. Here's the thing, Adina. A lot of people hear or see who Kaya is hanging out with, and yeah. I'm like, how?
1: Yeah, she doesn't take, talk to anyone or see anyone.
0: No, she's yeah. always just by herself. Why is there some? Why are there so many rumors about her? Yeah. Anyway, Tate is telling his dad. He says she's more pure and innocent than any of those girls. You want me to go to the dance with? <laughs> more pure and more innocent.
3: Mm-hmm. Two
0: qualities that I really am drawn to in a woman. Yeah. Her purity. Mm, gross. Ugh.
1: Yeah, especially in a 15-year-old girl. When
0: you're 19. Yeah. Mm.
1: Not great. We have them begin this relationship. They eventually start dating each other. Um, and Kaya, of course, is really young, so she's super into Tate. Also, she has nobody in her life, so she starts to really rely on him. Yeah. And he's older, he has plans to eventually go to college, so I definitely feel this unequalness in their relationship here to, Mm -hmm. like, a huge extent. There's this scene, too, where they almost have sex.
0: (laughs) They get get really close.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're literally naked and kind of, like, grinding against each other. Yeah. Uh, I don't like how this is described in the book. I was cringing.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) and he he gets to this point, right? Yeah. He's touching her genitals. Yeah. And then he stops himself and he says, wait, you're too young. <laughs> and I'm like, the time to dis- to realize that was before you had your hands on her genitals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, nothing like a 19-year-old groping a 15-year-old. And then being
0: like, wait a minute.
1: Yeah, I just want to read a part from this section. This is when he says that he wants to stop. He says, not like this, Kaya. Why not? Why not like this? She reached for his shoulders and tried to pull him back to her. Why not? She said again. He picked up her clothes and dressed her, not touching her where she wanted, where parts of her body still pounded. Then he lifted her and carried her to the creek (laughs) bank, put her down, and sat beside her. You know, when you just pick <laughs> her up and put her on your hip, he you know? Sw- he
0: swaddled her.
1: <laughs> put a- put her on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Sorry. He, p- he put her down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Set her down.
1: Kaya, I want you more than anything. I want you forever, but you're too young. You're only 15. So what? You're only four years older. It's not like you're suddenly Mr. Know-it-all adult. Yes, but I can't get pregnant. And I can't be damaged as easily by this. I won't do it, Kaya, because I love you. Love. There was nothing about the word she understood. You still think I'm a little girl, she whined. Kaya, you're sounding more and more like a little girl every second. But he smiled as he said it, and he pulled her closer. Well then, if not now, when can we? Just not yet. Uh... Her being described as whining?
0: Yeah, and it seems like he's into it.
1: Yeah... I don't like. I don't like this. (laughs) I I hate everything about this.
0: It's all terrible. Yeah, just like you said, the the imbalance of their dynamic. Tate being older, knowing more about like sex and just reading, (laughs) reading and society and and basically everything. Yeah. Uh, He he. Thankfully, leaves.
1: He has to go to college. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, Kaya's devastated because she's worried about him not coming back. And he promises that he'll return for the 4th of July. And it's very sad, especially in the movie, because she puts on a really nice dress oh, and does her hair and puts a little bit of lipstick yeah. on and is waiting for him. And he never shows up.
0: Yeah. And it's it is sad. But... Like, it's also, like, too dramatic because she wakes up the next morning. She's like, no, Tate, (laughs) Tate, no, and is like... And I'm like, well, something could have happened. Like, literally, he just didn't show up that night. In the book, it's more measured. Yeah, She, like, waits one night, and he doesn't show, and she's kind of upset, and then, like, the next day, and the next Mm -hmm. day, and then she realizes, like, oh, he's choosing not to come back. Yeah. The movie's just, like, she gave it one night, and then she's like, oh, God. (laughs) Fuck you, Tate. (laughs) Basically.
1: Yeah, this is really devastating for her, because in her life, in the book, she describes it as everybody leaves her. Yeah. Um, which is true. Everyone has left her. <laughs> yeah. And Tate is now just another one of those people and probably the one that she trusted the most besides her mother mm-hmm. that would stay with her.
0: Yeah. I just I also kind of have an issue with this dynamic and part of the story, which Kaya is such a unique character. Right. In terms mm-hmm. of she's this girl who's been living on her own in the fucking swamp. Yeah. By herself. Since the age of 10. Yeah. And like what kind of person is that? What does Mm -hmm. she want? And the book and movie just act as if, you know, oh, all girls really want is just to wear pretty dresses and like kiss cute boys and like wanna have sex. And it's just very simplistic Mm -hmm. in in terms of like this coming of age part of the story. Where I'm like, you can do something really interesting with this type of character that touches on something that mm-hmm. other stories can't, you know, get into, you know, with society or expectations sexually between yeah. people who are attracted to each other. I don't know. It just felt like there's so much potential and it was just the most kind of generic layout for this coming of age part.
1: Yeah, a lot is said about her loneliness, which I think makes a lot of sense just not being around anybody yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. But it also seems like she intentionally isolates herself as well because yeah. she could be closer with Jumpin' and Mabel, mm-hmm. but she chooses not to, yeah. which I don't understand.
0: I think the movie does try to remedy that because I, I had the exact same thought in the book. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, there's a couple points where the dad... Tells her, like, don't trust anyone. Yeah. Like, you can never trust anyone. Like, there's a point where she sees Tate and waves and mm-hmm. he kind of like scolds her for it. Yeah. I don't think there's enough time given to that mm-hmm. or like why she necessarily really absorbs that lesson. Yeah. But I do think the movie's trying to give more reason as to why she doesn't interact with anyone. Mm
1: hmm who comes next What's but next? another oh, white boy yes. who basically looks exactly the same as Tate oh in the god, film. Oh
0: my god, so much. <laughs> when I saw him, I actually was like, is that No, that's not to me. I thought it was.
1: This one has more of a chin and his hair color is different.
0: Yeah, that's it, though. Yeah. It's like if you have a character builder in a video game, you just like change two sliders. You're like hair color, more brown, chin, more point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) New character.
1: (laughs) A new man. This is uh, Chase Andrews of the, you know... Water tower falling from fame. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> of the dead body variety. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. And he is the town golden boy. He's super popular. He was the quarterback. Now he works for his dad who owns like a really well-known shop or something in town. It's like a
0: car dealership. Something isn't it? like that. Yeah. yeah. So he,
1: he has money. His family is well received. And he kind of sees Kaya around and starts talking to her.
0: Yet she sees him one day on the beach and she starts thirsting for him. Yeah. And then runs into him later. There's a lot of parts in the book like this where... The sequence of events is so immediate, yeah. right? So she sees him at the beach and she's like, oh, he's kind of cute. And then she intentionally goes to jump ins like the next day because mm-hmm. he sometimes goes there. And then and he's there. And then he's there. And then they talk and set a date. And like those things happen so quickly and there's like no time between any of
1: them. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'll take you on this picnic on my boat. They go on this boat picnic, they're just talking and stuff. He's getting to know her and he's surprised to find out that she is educated because she knows how to read now, Ian, and she has all these specimens at home that she's collecting with their scientific names now. She knows all about the shells and the creatures of the marsh. But he thinks that she'll probably be an easy lay and starts making out with her and uh, tries to have sex with her. And then she's like, stop, I don't want to do this.
0: Yeah, she's like, I'm worth more than a picnic. Yeah. Like at least a really nice dinner out. (laughs) Like lobster. I'm lobster material. (laughs) Uh, But she does set boundaries for him. And he's very, you know, like, I'm very sorry. I want to make it up to you. And I really do like you and want to get to know you. And he kind of seems to establish the fact that he's not like a terrible guy. Yeah. And unfortunately, Kaya's just really, really lonely. Yeah. And she's like, I mean, I don't like him but he is a person that i can kind of talk to yeah so he'll do <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he takes her up to the fire tower eventually she shows him her house and her collections and she feels at least that he's not judging her even if they don't have as much in common as she and tate did yeah because they can't really talk about science in the marsh that much he at the, you know, on the other end of that is at least like, okay, this is cool. Like, I think it's interesting that Mm -hmm. you have your thing and just kind of lets her do her own thing and they hang out, they go around in his boat and just boat, I guess. He plays the harmonica. That's his one skill.
0: Yep, that's his thing. He's a harmonica guy. And yeah, why are they together? yeah Why? I get it. I get she's lonely. And he kind of alludes to at one point, I forget if this is just the movie or the book, too. I think book, it's just too, the movie. Where he talks about kind of the thrill mm-hmm. of sneaking out to see her and the excitement of that. and Yeah. Uh, you know, alluding to what he's really getting out of the situation and their dynamic, mm-hmm. which I think those few lines at least help clear up on his end.
2: Well,
1: and he talks about how no one really knows him. Yeah. But I think that's just a line. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's... Something that he really thinks that, oh, Kaya knows him more than anyone else.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? Like, it's just a way to get her to trust him, I think. But I also feel like it's trying... Like, the movie and the book are trying to get us to believe that, for some reason, Chase feels freer with her or finds some kind of freedom with her. Yeah. I mean, we know he admires her for living out there on her own, Mm -hmm. right? And kind of doing her own thing and that she's a free spirit. But, like... What do they talk about? <laughs> and for like really the first year, or at least in the book of their relationship, they're not having sex. No. So what is he getting out of it? This
0: is the thing that really see like that really pushed it beyond believability for me. Yeah. I'm like, I can imagine Chase wanting to hang out with her if he's like getting sex out of it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's you know, we get to have sex and have fun and like she's interesting and I'll yeah. hang around her. But to like devote that much time to her when he's not getting sex out of it, I just don't buy it for his character at all. Especially
1: in the direction that his character ends up going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can, yes, and I can believe he would maybe try to like stick it out for a while and be like, I can wait this out. But he would have reached his breaking point long before a year's time. Exactly. Let's talk about taxes.
1: Yeah. The way that this plays out is different in the book and the movie. But basically, Kaya at some point is like, oh, do I own this land
2: Mm or
1: was my dad just squatting? And so she kind of goes down to the courthouse to look at the deeds and the property lines and everything. And she's told that, yeah, your dad's family owned it. So now it's yours. But there haven't been any taxes paid on it in years. So... In order to actually own the land, you have to pay all these back taxes. And Kaya, in the movie at least, is worried about real estate developers coming in and trying to buy up the land.
0: Yeah, because if anyone pays those back taxes, they get the land. Yeah. Which it seems so insane (laughs) to me. But yeah. uh, So yeah, so this is really serious. However, in the book, and the book and movie play this differently, she is told by Tate, like, you should publish your illustrations and everything that you've learned about the marsh like you've documented everything so meticulously like with these illustrations and the research that you've
3: done yeah
0: and notes and details and you should make a book out of it and like here's some publishers and she's like okay and she sends her stuff off and it gets accepted and then she gets a check in the mail and then Mm -hmm. she's like all right i'm making money yeah and in the Book. This happens, and then she finds out about the taxes. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, how much are the taxes? Eight hundred dollars. Oh, great! I just happen to have a whole bunch of money that I just came across." Yeah, this is one of those things in the book where it's like, "Oh, good thing that this <laughs> sequence of events happened so perfectly." Yeah, and the movie smartly flips this around where she discovers the tax issue. And then decides to pursue the book, the book yeah. to get the money that
1: yes. she needs, which makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that, she would be like, "Oh, I need to make sure I own this land. Oh, I better get this book published." You know, giving a, a little tension in the story. But you know, regardless, she gets this land. She gets uh, her first book ever published on the shells of North Carolina, or whatever, um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or whatever bullshit I don't know.
1: Yeah, and. Around this time, too, things are getting a little more serious with Chase.
0: Yeah, he's like, uh, let's take a let's take a trip together. Yeah, let's take a road trip. I have to go do something. I don't know what.
3: Who cares? In another
0: town. It's going to take two days. We'll have to stay in a motel. You want to come? This isn't a trap at all. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And they go to a seedy ass, gross ass motel. And
1: they have the worst sex that anyone's ever had ever.
0: Yes. My my (laughs) only note at this point, at this point in the movie was at least it ended quickly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very disappointing for Kaya. And Chase doesn't seem to care that Kaya didn't have a good time. But he also is talking to her a lot about them getting married eventually. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, one day I'll build you a house near the beach and we'll get married and we'll do this and that. You'll meet my parents. But then whenever she asks to meet his friends or his family, he avoids the subject and kind of deflects and everything. So Kaya is stupid enough to think that he's being serious when he talks Mm. about marriage with her. And to be fair, she's kind of indifferent about it. Like she's sort of like, I mean, I don't really love him, but I might as well just, like, marry him. It's fine. Like, she's just kind of, like, whatever. Yeah,
0: the stakes of this are so weird. Like, you know that he's lying to her. Yeah. And she doesn't care, but also it's devastating when she finds out the truth.
1: Yeah. It's kind of
0: a mixed bag of emotions.
1: It takes her a while, but she does eventually figure out that he's engaged to someone else. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of, like, she doesn't break it off with him. They don't have a confrontation scene. She just... Stop seeing him, and he knows that she found out. In the book, um, she finds out through a newspaper announcement, and kind of leaves the newspaper out for him to find somewhere, yeah. so he knows that she knows. And in the movie, she actually runs into him in town and meets his fiance,
0: which I like that playing that playing yeah. that up more in the movie. Mm-hmm. So she's just really upset and is like, "I'm done with him." But uh, he's not done with her. He finds her later on in the marsh and confronts her and is saying, like, listen, I'm sorry, but my parents are making me do yeah. this. I have no choice. He's just like whining and bitching and mm-hmm. like making nothing his fault. And he's saying, I need you. Like, yeah. I need you in my life. This is where he alludes to like what he was getting out of their relationship. The kind of like
1: escape, the
0: escape, the sneaking around. Mm-hmm. And, and I I do think... In the movie, it makes sense why he feels like he needs this, Yeah, you know, like he probably does feel smothered by his, his parents and family and those expectations. And he likes getting out and away from that. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to marry her. He just wants to have her around. Yeah. So I, I think the movie does a lot more to justify what he's saying.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, he uh, won't take no from an an- as an answer from her. So he ends up hitting her and starts beating her up and then uh, tries to sexually assault her. Luckily, Kai is able to fight him off. It's still a really devastating and horrific moment for her. And she kind of beats the shit out of him a little bit, but he gets he gets her too. It's a really tough thing to watch to see her get beat up like this. And then she threatens him and she's like, if you ever come near me again, I'll kill you. Yeah. Um. And this begins kind of like a time when she's super concerned and like hiding from him. Yeah. The movie kind of extends this and shows him stalking her a
2: bit.
0: Yeah. He goes into her cabin, kind of throws things around. Yeah. Really becoming a menace to her to an extent. Mm -hmm. So yeah, things are escalating as she's like sleeping on her boat. It seems like while he's out looking for her. I think the movie tries its best to both heighten this situation while not Spending, like, a ton of time on it. Because it does feel both fast, but still more than what the book was doing.
1: Yeah, I like, too, that at this part, you know, Kaya actually starts to understand her mother a bit, which is sad, right? Because... She's like, okay, now that I've been physically abused, I know what my mom went through and I can kind of understand why she had to leave, Mm -hmm. which is very sad in so many ways, because she should never have had to go through something like that. And neither should her mother have had to. But here they are in this situation. And Kai is able to kind of connect with the memory of her mom a little bit here. We forgot to mention this, but Tate comes back.
0: Yes. Tate returns there. Once again, a convenience on top of the convenience <laughs> while he's back. The movie depicts this. We just hear about it in the book. Uh, Tate overhears Chase bragging about mm-hmm. getting to have sex with Kaya and he gets like uh, a scuffle with him. Yeah. And of course he goes to Kaya and is like, oh, you don't know who he is. He's bragging about. Yeah. You. Then he also is like this. He, he So he he's saying this and then he apologizes for abandoning her Four years ago, after he was like, I'll I'll always be here for you. Yeah. And he's like, hey, remember that time I said I'd always be there for you? And then
1: I never came back. I, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> and he's also like, I've only ever loved you. Yeah. And this is just so lame, Adina. It's just so lame. He went to college yeah. for four years, met tons of people Mm -hmm. hasn't seen kaya that entire time and the most believable thing in this whole story is that yeah he left for college and he didn't come back yeah because he is just starting his own life he's busy yeah he's busy he's learning science and biology and of course he has like a reasonable explanation about the first time he didn't come back whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah just this whole notion that Oh, I've only ever loved you. I've never loved anyone else. I want you to still be with me. But still, first, can you forgive me for me leaving you? And she's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Can you just get the fuck away from me?
1: Yeah, she throws rocks at him, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of makes this whole apology being like, listen, the reason I didn't come back was because I realized that. I could never live a normal life with you, that you were like so messed up (laughs) and isolated. And like, I wanted to go to college and learn things. And you were like stuck in the swamp. And so I felt like I had to choose my college and my career. And he's like, and then I did. And then I realized that I didn't have to choose because they're building a laboratory quite nearby. Uh, I'm going to probably get a job there. I know I know some guys. Um, and then I'll be like a swamp researcher. And now we can just hang out of the swamp forever. So I did all that for nothing. And I'm like, yeah. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now that it's convenient for yeah. me, I would like to be back with you, please. <laughs> yeah. can, can we start that back up again now yeah. that it's something I can do? Also, he's not in college anymore and he's probably not around girls anymore. Yeah, and he's and like, he's I like... wonder if I can like get Kaya back now that <laughs> I'm just back home and not really doing anything.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for that lab to open. Yeah, it
0: just feels so... Like, I know we're supposed to think he's being genuine and sincere because everything in this movie is genuine and sincere, but it also, he feels like he should be as full of shit as Chase is. I know. You but know? he's such a
1: contrast to Chase for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We also, at this time, get a reunion where Jody, Kaya's brother, comes back.
0: Yeah. He just appears out of the blue. He saw her book. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he comes with some bad news, which he found their mother, or at least heard news of her. Yeah. I forget if he, he didn't actually meet her. I
1: don't think so. I think he met their aunt.
0: Yes. Uh, their mother passed away. Mm-hmm. I know in the movie they say it's leukemia. She, uh,
1: she thinks she had cancer. In, in yeah. The, in the in book, the book too. too. Okay. Yeah. 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 And... This is kind of interesting. We get a little bit of an explanation as to what happened to the mom. Basically, she had a mental breakdown and left, went and stayed with her sister and was kind of catatonic for a year based on the abuse that she suffered from Kaya's father. And then after kind of coming out of that and being like, oh, my God, I left my kids. She wrote that letter to try to get them back. And the dad wrote back and was just like, you'll never see them again.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But then she didn't do anything else. She didn't like come to visit. She no. didn't bring like a lawyer or the cops or anything to try to check on them, because she would have found out like, oh, all my kids except one have left. Like, yes.
0: <laughs> I have.
1: I'm already like what sixty percent too late. Like,
0: <laughs> my one child is living alone in, yeah. in the marsh by herself. Yeah, that's fine.
1: So she eventually dies, and and Kai is again devastated by the fact that she'll never see her mom come back. And she'll ne- never be able to reunite with her. It is nice for her to connect with Jody, And he lives not too far away in Georgia and promises to kind of keep in touch more with her.
0: He he says something about like, oh, I'm surprised that you're still here. But I'm like, I mean, you always could have checked. Yeah. Here. Yeah. You always could have just, you know.
1: Wrote a letter.
0: Yeah. Or stopped by to to see if any. I mean, unless he was like avoiding the dad like maybe he just didn't want to run into the dad yeah
1: but that dad was not long for this world i mean <laughs> no
0: he had an expiration date on yeah. him and it was not that far off yeah uh yeah so i mean the return of jody gives us like some new information and it's nice that kaya has someone else new mm-hmm. in her life it does feel a little i mean once again cheesy you know she she forgives him and they're both very sorry and mm-hmm. are gonna re- like there for each other from now on so it, it, it's nice but i don't feel like you, you get a whole lot out of it
1: yeah and so very shortly after she gets into this interaction with chase and he you know beats her up and tries to rape her uh she ends up seeing both jump in and tate and they both kind of figure out what's happened mm-hmm. with her and they're both very much like did chase do this to you yeah like really worried about her wanting to get the authorities, or do something to help her, but not exactly knowing what.
0: Can I just say that in the movie, the bruising on her face is so minimal. Yeah. That in both scenes, when she sees Tate and jumping, and they're like, "What happened to your eye?"
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, I, like leaned in. I'm like, "Is there something <laughs> like I can't see it?" Like, and it's more like on the side of her face. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that there isn't anything there, mm-hmm. but I mean, for as badly as she got beaten up. I felt like, realistically, she would have been more battered than that. Yeah. I just felt like, and I feel like this way about most movies, where the bruising that they give characters is like, well, we we still want them to look attractive. So. Yeah,
1: she still has to look hot. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, bruise them and cut them up a little bit, but, like, very precisely so it still accentuates. But like, in a sexy way. <laughs> yeah, it accentuates their, like, perfect features, right?
1: Yeah, in the book we have this, un- we have an unfortunate line where... Jumpin' is like, we should call the police, we should tell them what happened, and Kaya's like, listen, Jumpin', what would happen if a black girl had said this about Chase? What do you think would happen? That's exactly what would happen to me if I report Chase. And I'm like, no! Whoa, Kaya. (laughs) It is not the same thing at all. Like, nothing could be farther from the truth in trying to compare yourself to Young black women who were routinely raped and abused by white men. So you can back that right up.
0: Yeah, but that's like the whole book and story though right like it really feels like it's trying to make like the most persecuted character yeah but without really justifying it mm-hmm. but then also being like i mean it's pretty much just as bad as being a black person in the 60s right no and everyone's <laughs> like no it's not <laughs> stop saying that <laughs> you say that all the time kaya stop saying that
1: <laughs> yeah and so both tate and Jumpin are worried about her and kaya's like i'm supposed to go on this trip To meet my publisher for my book because they want to publish more of my books. And they're like, you should go. You should get away. Like, it'll be good for you to do this for yourself and go out and experience this. So she decides to take this trip.
0: Yes. She goes on the trip. She's gone for two days. Mm -hmm. Comes back. Finds out about Chase being dead. Yeah. Quickly finds out she's the suspect and then gets uh, arrested, gets herself arrested. And Mm -hmm. that leads us back to where the story begins.
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, in the movie and in the book, we've kind of been jumping back and forth a bit. Yeah. You know, going back to this murder time, the investigation in the book and a little bit of the courtroom stuff in the movie. It was just more convenient for us to talk about it in chunks here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, now she is on trial.
1: Yeah. We get the cat, Sunday justice.
0: The, the hero. Yeah. That we deserve, Adina.
1: Sunday justice should be the judge. (laughs) (laughs) The cat should decide.
0: I'd watch that show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, so she gets this lawyer who wants to represent her pro bono. Um, his name is Tom and he was kind to her as a child. He's one of the people in the town that thinks maybe we shouldn't just give the death penalty to the Marsh girl <laughs> without having a fair trial and looking at all the evidence. But, you know, he's trying to get to know her, trying to get her to talk about what happened so that he can represent her. And at first, he kind of wants her to maybe take a plea deal.
0: Yeah, but but she refuses to. Yeah, uh, I actually found this portion of the book to be really interesting. Yeah. The the kind of minutiae of the trial and for kind of as, like, ridiculous as it is that they are pursuing her as the suspect of a murder case with such little evidence. Yeah. Seems kind of crazy and flimsy, but mm-hmm. there have been so many true Cases like that in history. Yeah. In US history. And, you know, specific ones we've read about uh black people yeah. being accused of crimes. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, uh fits the bill a little bit more historically, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, them trying to just pin the blame on someone who is vulnerable. Yeah, even an if,
3: outsider. Yeah,
0: and trying to like shoehorn this like story out of like terrible evidence mm-hmm. and like half-baked testimonies and yeah but kind of seeing how the system is uh going against them mm-hmm. yeah it felt like almost a real court case that you would like read about
1: yeah and it was really interesting to to hear in both the book and the movie you know the witnesses come forward and be questioned by uh, the prosecution and the defense right because we have a witness being like well there were no like footprints at all in the mud which means that someone covered them up. And then, you know, Kaya's lawyer comes up and is like, okay, here are the, like, tide charts for that day. Yeah, The tide, went, like, came in. Don't you think that could have washed away the footprints? Mm-hmm. Maybe. And then he was like, well, did you check? Like, he's questioning the sheriff, yeah. being like, did you test that out? Like, you have to... If you're saying that the the footprints were actually covered up and weren't just naturally eroded, then you need to be able to prove that. And there was no proof. They also talk about the grates being opened that Chase fell through. And then, you know, Tom ends up showing the sheriff like his own letter to... Whoever is in charge of like the 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 fire tower. Yeah, and it was like, this is dangerous. Someone's going to fall. Yeah, people keep leaving (laughs) your grates open and
0: someone's going to fall through. Yeah. He wrote that letter like uh, three months before Chase died. Mm -hmm. And the red fibers, you know, that they directly connected to this hat of Kaya's. Uh, The defense lawyer is like, well, I mean, couldn't those fibers have come off the hat like at any point onto the jacket? I mean, these two knew each other for a lot of years before he died. Yeah. And the guy's like, "Uh, yeah, no, that's totally possible. So yeah,
1: there's no timeline on it.
0: Yeah. So kind of bringing up all these like contradictions to the evidence and like Mm -hmm. really showing how little evidence like the prosecution even has.
1: Yeah, they and they come down to this idea of her, so she got on this bus, and people saw her get on the bus to go to Greenville to meet her publisher. Yeah. And then people saw her get off the bus, like, the next day or whenever she came back, right? But they're like, she could have had enough time, and then her publisher, like, dropped her off at her hotel after having dinner with her at, like, 10 p.m., and then she could have taken the last couple buses back in disguise, quickly gone on her boat... To meet Chase Andrews on the fire tower, pushed him, covered up all the evidence, (laughs) boated back, then got back on the bus, went back to Greenville, went back to her her hotel room, and then met her publisher again first thing in the morning. Like the timeline is so crazy. And they're like, she was in disguises on the bus.
0: Yeah. And having people testify that I saw a skinny man on the bus that could have been a skinny woman <laughs> yeah. in disguise. And and you're
1: like, what?
0: Yeah. The whole thing is just uh, absolutely crazy. And the the allowances they have to give the story of how she could have even made all that happen within the time frame is just
3: yeah r-
0: ridiculous, right? Yes. Uh, so this is kind of the the case as it's laid out before us. hmm in the film, there is one moment that I appreciated where Kaya, her lawyer wants her to...
1: Take the stand. To take the
0: stand, thank you. Uh, to kind of, as, as like a character thing so that people can see her as a person and mm-hmm. she refuses. And I forget her reasoning. I, I don't know how... She
1: said she doesn't want to beg for her life
0: to yeah. these people
1: that have been so awful to her yeah she kind of is like all i have left is my pride kind Mm -hmm. of and she's not willing to sacrifice that even if she gets the death penalty
0: yeah and i i like this scene only because at this point in the story especially in the book like kaya just has no agency and she's not talking yeah she's not talking she's not doing anything she's just silently watching. Doodling in the courtroom. (laughs) Yeah. Watching people decide if she's gonna live or die and, like, not able to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So, I appreciated her having one moment of agency where she gets to make a decision for herself. Yeah. This leads to the closing arguments by the attorneys, Mm -hmm. and we get Kaya's lawyer who, uh, in his most most genteel, southern... Atticus Finch Atticus Atticus Finch, (laughs) yes, monologue, gets to talk about the prejudice that... Uh, kaya has had to face in her life and he says something along the lines of we've all heard the legends of the marsh girl yeah that she's the missing link that she's like her eyes glow her eyes glow that she's like half wolf or bear and this part is so fucking bananas adina yeah like we have seen her we have seen adult kaya just go into the store yeah dressed in like a dress and or just pants living her life people see her (laughs) boating around yeah and i'm like are you do people actually say this yeah that's absolutely insane i don't believe anyone actually says that i think you're hyping this (laughs) i don't know what to think at this point yeah like this monologue about like her being a feral wild animal is so completely not backed up by anything we've seen no
1: so far in the story no yeah and you know
0: I think the movie had good potential to kind of set this up. I think if they had made Kaya a little bit more dirty and rough around wild. the edges and wild. Like, that opening of her fleeing from the cops, mm-hmm. if, if she behaved more like that, yeah. acted a little bit more like that, and that was our introduction to her, and then we go back and we see her as a person, how she grew up, leading to these moments. Yeah,
1: what happened to her.
0: Yeah, I think that could have been a really good, interesting introduction for the character mm-hmm. but it's 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 not that
1: we're a little all over the place here in terms of like themes and like consistent <laughs> characterization i feel <laughs> yeah But uh, the closing arguments that Tom, the lawyer, makes are basically like, hey, we just decided to let this little girl live out there by herself, and no one ever did anything about it. So we should all feel pretty bad about that. And I think that's enough to be like, okay, she probably didn't do it. And even if she did, like, we should give her a break. So
0: (laughs) she gets a pass. (laughs) We'll give you this one murder. Yeah,
1: just one, okay? (laughs) It's because we were so rude to you. Yes,
0: no more. (laughs) Uh, and so there's kind of a tense moment of the jury waiting, but then they come back with the verdict, and it's not guilty, and she gets to go home.
1: Yeah, and, you know, her brother is there. Jody takes her home. You know, Mabel and Jumpin' have been supporting her during the court case, and so has Tate. It takes her a while to reunite with Tate, depending on, you know, the book or the movie. It's like she really has to choose to like want to be with him and because of everything that's happened to her eventually they do reunite though and finally get to have sex we don't find out if it's good or not though
0: <laughs> yeah maybe he was just as bad yeah and she was just like well i mean
1: i guess i don't have any other boys men are just so. all like this i guess
0: <laughs> i have no other options i also hated hated adina this part where she is talking about how much tape tate meant to her yeah i swear to god every time i go to say tate yeah. i'm like that's not right that's not a
1: real name that's not a
0: person's <laughs> name i'm sorry <laughs> we apologize to, to all the yeah tates i'm sorry to things. all the tates out there <laughs>
3: uh
0: she says something about like like it's always been you yeah like you've always meant everything to me mm-hmm. and she ties her love of the marsh to him that like the reason that she like went out on the marsh was like hoping to see him and like yeah to run into him again and i'm like What are you talking about? Like, the Marshes... What? Yeah. Like, that's the thing that you've always loved that has always been consistent in your life that has been there for you every time Tate... Or any other shitty man. Left you. Left you. You were like, at least I have the marsh. Yeah, like the marsh has been its own thing this entire story. This like ethereal, natural environment that is always like perfect in there for her. And there
1: are no mosquitoes. And there's no
0: mosquitoes ever. (laughs) Yeah, and for her to just be like, that's why I love the marsh is because I love you. I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't buy that.
1: (laughs) That is not true. (laughs) Anyway, they get together. They get married like the geese get married which means they just uh fly around together i guess (laughs) i didn't get
0: what that meant when she said i don't know
1: she just doesn't want to get court married i guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's just i'm not stepping in a court ever again
1: (laughs) i mean in the book we're told that she never goes to town again
0: i forgot about that part
1: which i think is deeply upsetting
0: that is really upsetting i'm
1: like so i think she gets worse yeah. After the trial and marrying or geese marrying Tate. <laughs> like,
0: I mean, to an extent, it's understandable. That yeah. The town almost like publicly executed her. But
1: for her to like just never leave the marsh after that.
0: Yeah, especially because it seemed like that lawyer. Went to a lot of effort to, like, hit the reset button I know. for her on the town to get, like, everyone. And like, she was
1: just like, OK, bye. Yeah,
0: no, I'm not. I'm not coming back
1: here. <laughs> yes. But we get kind of an epilogue about their life together. They're not able to have children. But, you know, Kaya does publish several more books. And uh, Tate does his research in the lab. And they seem really happy. Unfortunately, at age 64, Kaya dies of a heart attack.
0: Yeah, she is just found by Tate, like, slumped over in her boat.
1: Yeah. The movie does a little scene where she sees her mom coming back.
0: Yeah, which is sweet, but also the mom is in it so minimally. But we're like,
1: who's that? Yeah, I'm
0: like, uh, that is the mom? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, you know, she's found dead by Tate. Tate is kind of grieving for her. He's in the cabin going through her old stuff. It, it's kind of varied in book and movie, like, where exactly he finds her secret stash. Yeah. But he discovers the necklace that belonged to Chase.
1: Yes, which we have not mentioned yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, no, we didn't. It went missing.
1: (laughs) First, Kaya gave Chase a very pretty shell necklace. And then uh, Chase wore it forever, even after they broke up. And then it it was found missing on his body. And that's why they thought it was Kaya. But then they never found the necklace and then Tate finds it under the floorboards or in her journal. Yeah. Wow. I can't
0: believe we completely <laughs> forgot to mention. The key
1: piece of evidence. Yeah. I,
0: I I said it like it was this big reveal. Yeah. You to, know, the shell necklace. The shell necklace. Oh, yeah. That's right. We didn't <laughs> mention that even once. Yes. So this is basically conclusive evidence that, uh, yeah, Kaya did fucking murder him. Yep. She done did it.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, Ian.
0: There's a lot of things. I think there's more than one thing.
2: <laughs> here is one here is
1: one thing, okay. Ian, okay? I felt like the book spent so many pages just proving to us how she could have never pulled this off. How impossible yeah. it was, right? Yes. And then they're like just kidding. She totally And then didn't they don't do explain it. it. No. Like there's nothing after that. Tate just finds it and is like, "Oh no." And then he like destroys the necklace. And burns the poetry that she was secretly writing.
0: Yes. Here's the other thing. I think part of it is supposed to be justified by, like, her knowledge of the marsh. Yeah. Like, okay, she probably knew the tide would come in mm-hmm. and, like, get rid of the footprints, right? Yeah. And at one point they mentioned, like, oh, well, if she traveled by boat and knew where the- cur- Riptides the were. The riptides or the currents were. She could have traveled, like, faster and, like, made the trip. Okay, Accepting that, yeah. she still rode on the bus in various disguises. Yes. And then, like, talked to the publisher the next day as if everything was fine.
1: Yeah. Also, she had to somehow get Chase up to the tower yeah how, how did, she, did she do how that how did she
0: lure him up there yeah. how did she push him through the grate like that still would have been
1: was she in another disguise <laughs> was she in a disguise as like a bird on the fire tower and he's like Kaya Kaya and she's like <laughs> and like flaps her wings at him and he falls backwards yes
0: yeah he's so startled by yeah. it. <laughs> like this theory. (laughs) That's what all the feathers were for. That she collected throughout the whole... She made
1: her own wings. Yes, she
0: made the bird costume from the feathers. Okay,
1: we got this. Yeah,
0: we're figuring it out piece by piece.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's no explanation given as to how she did it. And also, I don't think we have any reason to believe that Kaya would ever do something like this. No. Like, yes, we know that she's a survivalist and she takes care of herself. But in the book and in the movie, she's just so constantly portrayed as pure and innocent at one with nature at peace with the world, very innocent and trusting. She Mm -hmm. believes chases stupid lies like for her to do this just feels, and especially for her to do it in a way that's this calculated and planned seems totally out of character for her.
0: I completely agree. And like, I'm not saying that you couldn't have somehow made this work. There is a, adaptation we talked about that we both really liked from not that long ago where a seemingly innocent naive character ended up being a killer yeah and i thought that did it great Mm -hmm. because when you look back on their behavior you're like oh yeah no i can see it now yeah but like this story didn't lay out any of that groundwork even though it should have like she's living in nature we should have seen her having to be kind of um cruel cruel. yeah and like tough and Mm -hmm. being willing to like take the life of at least, like, an animal or something and, like, yeah. not really have any emotional feeling towards that and to, like, be embracing the the ambivalence of nature. Yes. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that this theme could have been well-established. There's discussions. We get one in the movie, and there's a couple in the book about, like, uh, animals in nature mating. Yes. Specifically insects and how, like, the female will oftentimes kill the male Mm -hmm. after sex or like lure them in Mm -hmm. with displays of like mating only to like do a murder. Yeah. Which is interesting. I like the idea of thematically tying in humans and society and sexuality and relationships to kind of that like natural instinctive viciousness. Yeah. That's an interesting idea.
1: But we don't have any any evidence of that in Kaya's character.
0: No, none. We
1: hear about it from her research, but we never see that displayed in any of her actions or even any of her thoughts really. No. Um she just thinks about nature and things about thinks about patterns in nature. She's very concerned and interested in why like mothers in the wild will sometimes leave their young, abandon mm-hmm. them because that's what's hap- what happened to her with her mother. And like you said we get These descriptions of insects and, you know, the females devouring the males. But Kaya just doesn't do any of this. No, And she's just portrayed as so innocent and pure and loving of the marsh. And so we're meant to believe it like, oh, yeah, she had to kill him. And then it's like, I mean, yes, he tried to sexually assault her. So that is awful. And he should be in prison. Right. But like, does that mean that she can kill him? Yes. Especially when it's not in self-defense.
0: I completely agree. And the I think you could have gotten away with this if you approached it from a more more of a moral gray zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or
1: if it was a different situation, like her actually having to kill him in oh, a situation yeah. and then cover it up, you know, and then make us think about what we would do if we found ourselves in a desperate situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, you know, I'm, you know killing a man like you know it's not the worst thing in the world <laughs> I'm just kidding but like it is kind of thrown out there as like oh yeah she just had to and I'm like we are not dealing with this no in any serious way at all I
0: think it could have been so much more interesting if Tate discovered the truth yeah like very shortly after the trial mm-hmm. and got to actually have a discussion
3: yeah with
0: her and hear her like argument for why she felt like she had to do it or Mm -hmm. her justification. I mean, there is something. See, I I think it's unsettling. I don't think the movie meant it to be, but Tate as an adult or as an old man, finding this evidence that she committed a murder. Yeah. That she obviously never talked about ever again or admitted to. Yeah,
1: and he never knew. And
0: he never knew about. That's unsettling. It's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. And I actually kind of liked the movie ending for a bit because mm-hmm. that's the vibe I got. But then I'm like, I mean, I don't think that's what it was going for, And they didn't explain
1: it, and it makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any (laughs) sense.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, ooh, Ooh, and then you're like, wait. (laughs) It doesn't quite. It's like the uh, kombucha girl. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that, like, ooh. "Ooh." No. (laughs) No. There's also one line that when I was reading in the book I had to write down, and it said, um... I forget, I I think this is after you know the truth, or maybe it's before. I think yeah. it might be before. It said, and though Kaya was never completely healed from the scorn and suspicion that surrounded her. I'm like, but what do you she did it though? Yeah. She killed him. <laughs> and, and the movie's the same way. Why should you be where, healed? Where she's like, I I've been accused by this town. Yeah. And like everyone hates me here and like they all think I did it. They're like, you, you didn't do well, it you though. Did. <laughs> You can't say this. Maybe you deserve it. You can't say this now. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's like wanting it all, right? Wanting her to be like this misjudged and mistreated and prejudiced against character, but also have her be like this secret, like mysterious badass woman who like killed him.
0: Yeah, that's a really good connective thing to all the problems i have with this book is like it wants it all it wants her connection with nature to be the best thing about her Mm -hmm. but also the thing that everyone hates about her yes it wants tate To be like the best guy on earth, Mm -hmm. but also when he has to leave her and scar her, he does. In like
1: the worst way possible. In like the
0: worst way imaginable. But then he comes back and gets to be like the best guy ever again. Yeah. Like Chase.
1: Chase being like really patient and generous with her for a long time until he suddenly isn't. Yeah,
0: until it serves the story that he like sexually assaults her. Yeah. Um, Yeah, just like everything, as soon as it becomes convenient or necessary, Mm -hmm. things shift. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good summary.
1: (laughs) So we have to talk about the author. And if Mm -hmm. you have not heard the controversy surrounding the author, Delia Owens, definitely look it up. There's a really great uh, Slate article that was published about her. Um, And there was also an investigative piece in The New Yorker published by uh, Jeff Goldberg, I, I believe was his name, about Delia Owens, her husband, Mark. And um, their stepson. But Delia is a conservation biologist, and her and her husband, now ex husband, actually spent many years living in Zambia and I think Botswana, maybe. In yeah, Africa? I, I just
0: knew it was Africa in general and yeah. Zambia specifically. Zambia
1: specifically. Um, and they were working as conservationists over there, you know, had this wildlife refuge. We're trying to protect specifically um, some of the elephant populations over there from mm-hmm. poaching. And what ended up happening was that Mark and Delia Owens kind of created like their own police system in this country.
0: Yeah, they kind of teamed up with an organization that was already in charge of trying to protect the animals, but yeah. they like militarized them and, and became
1: like, super power hungry. Yeah,
0: and armed them and really like went on the aggressive
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: in terms of trying to stop these poachers.
1: Yeah, there was actually something that was featured on live TV mm-hmm. where they did this interview with the Owenses. And you actually witness someone shooting at a man and this person is killed.
0: Yeah. A po- a po- an alleged poacher. Alleged
1: poacher. Could have just been a person.
0: Yes. And what what was the show? It wasn't. Was it Dateline?
1: So it was something. It yeah, was I,
0: I forget. Yeah. Yeah. But, so it was just a very brief piece on what they were doing in Africa. And this moment was so short. Mm-hmm. And it was devoid of all context. The. Piece alluded to the idea that this was a poacher, but there's a lot of reasons to believe that it was just a random dude. Yeah,
1: and there's also speculation about who fired the first shot because a lot of these men started firing at this person, ended up killing him. Witnesses say that Delia's husband, Mark, was the one who first started shooting. Others say that it was their stepson that was involved. Either way, they came back to America for a trip, and then they were told you should not go back there. Yeah. Because the Zambian government wanted to arrest them and to specifically question both Mark and Delia about what happened in the murder. So that's like still active. The Zambian government still is like, yeah, we want to question you about murdering a man potentially.
0: Yes. And aside from that like specific incident, it's worth criticizing, or at least looking critically at what they were just doing in general, which yeah. was kind of waging a war against the people of that area. I mean, all in the name of like protecting the animal life there, yeah. But also, who the fuck are they to go to, to Africa? It's very colonizing and white just savior, wh- white savior, like a lot of bad shit tied to that. Also, there's a lot of reason to believe that this wasn't the first person that got killed Yeah. Uh, by them or the militia that they kind of, like, raised. So mm-hmm. there's just, like, more than just the one man who was killed, there's a lot of reasons to look suspiciously at the activity.
1: Yeah, and the Zambian government was getting actually pretty anxious about the operation that they were building there. I mean, they were creating a military. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a little bit scary for that government as well. I'm not saying that government is perfect. I don't know anything about the politics or, you know, what's currently going on in those countries. This happened in the nineties. Um. Eventually Delia and her family came back to the U S they are not able to return to Zambia because of this murder investigation. She and her husband have separated, And, you know, got divorced and everything. But like nobody talks about this and she won't talk about it either. And is like, I don't know anything about it. But I think the parallels to the book are very problematic in this way that we have this character who ends up committing a murder against someone that in her mind is completely justified. And that does make you wonder if you if this is how Delia views the killing of these poachers. That, like, oh, well, it was justified. They had to do it because they were protecting the wildlife. And that gets really awful and problematic. And you're like, why would you write a story <laughs> like
0: this? Yeah, it's, you're like, I already wasn't on board with the way this story ended. And then you find out the real life correlation with her past and mm-hmm. the shady shit that happened in Africa. And yeah, it raises a lot of questions.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a good point being that, like, Delia is 70 years old, and so most people around this age have kind of, like, negative and weird and racist views towards, you know, certain populations, and she was there to care about the animals, and she didn't really care about the people, and if she was a little bit racist, that could help you with that perspective.
0: Yeah, I do think she—and I I won't say— what I think I remember them saying, but I I do think there's also like documented quotes from them that are very racist and problematic just about Africa and uh, black people in general. So. Yeah,
1: I do want to read something, though. So this is from the Slate article, and it says fiction writers often don't realize how much of their own unconscious bubbles up into their work. But at times, Owen seems to be deliberately calling back to her Zambian years. The jailhouse cat in Where the Crawdads Sing has the same name, Sunday Justice, as an African man who once worked for the Owenses as a cook. In The Eye of the Elephant, which is a, a memoir she wrote about her time in Africa, Delia describes Sunday Justice speaking with a childlike wonder about the Owens' airplane. I myself always wanted to talk to someone who has flown up in the sky with a plane, he said, according to Delia. I myself always wanted to know, Madam, if you fly at night, do you go close to the stars? When Goldberg, the person who wrote the New Yorker article, tracked down Sunday justice and asked him about this story, the man laughed. He had flown on planes many times as both an adult and a child before meeting Delia Owens. He later worked for the Zambian Air Force. Oh, my God. (laughs) So just kind of like the way that she writes about black characters, this sounds a lot like jumping, doesn't it? It sure does.
0: (laughs) And I'm starting to want to take away any possibility (laughs) of the idea that she didn't know what she was doing or wasn't doing it on some subconscious level. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's that. I have to say I had heard going into this book that there was controversy surrounding it. I had no idea about what I didn't look at anything about it. I didn't look up reviews for this book or anything about the author because I just wanted to go in Mm -hmm. with my own opinions. And then later I'm like, okay, the controversy, it's about, it's about jumping, right? Like that's got And then I was like, uh, wait, wait, a a, a murder? Wait, she, the Zambian government wants to talk to her. It was quite the uh, story to unpack and find out about.
1: Yeah, it's insane. And if you haven't read about it, definitely read any of those articles that we mentioned. It's a lot. Um, and I'm not saying that like she is the worst person in the world, but I think it's important to understand where she's coming from in her writing.
0: I really like that quote that you also said you liked about a lot of times authors not being aware of how their personal experiences come through. Cause how many books have we read and have been like, Oh my God, this is such a stand in for the author. This is such wish fulfillment of how they view themselves and like what they think of themselves Mm -hmm. and what they're passionate about. But in such a unaware way. Yeah. And this really did feel like one of those books.
1: Yeah. So which one is better,
0: Ian? I really went into this not knowing Because the movie's so faithful to the book. Yeah. That pretty much every problem I had with the movie was a problem I had with the book. Yeah. So partly for that reason, because it took less time to absorb the story, (laughs) I want to say the movie. Yeah. Also, the movie made, like, some minor tweaks that made it make a little bit more sense. The whole thing with her writing the book to pay the back taxes. Mm -hmm. I thought the structure of the courtroom trial being throughout the story as opposed to the investigation... Made things a little bit more interesting. Just some small things like that. Also, like, it was kind of fun. Like, when I got really <laughs> off the rails and cringy, like, I was laughing quite a bit. Yeah. And enjoying myself. So, for those reasons, I think I'm going to go with the movie, even though I really didn't enjoy either one of these.
1: I think I'm going to say the book. <gasps> really? Just because I don't think the movie stands on its own at all. Mm. Like, I just don't feel like, yes, the movie made some tweaks, but... I don't know. I felt like the movie was like confusing mm. and I would really be interested to find out if someone has seen the movie without reading the book and if they understood what the heck was happening. <laughs> That's like, fair. It was kind of all over the place. Um, and I didn't really like the way the relationships were portrayed with the two guys either. I don't know.
0: I mean, was it worse <laughs> than the book?
1: I think the book had more to offer in terms of, like, learning about nature and the marsh that I found interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it did have interesting, some interesting factoids and ideas.
1: Yeah, and I feel like you're learning kind of about a a time and place a little bit. Like, I didn't take it as, like, total historical truth (laughs) or anything like that. But it was interesting for me to read about, like, the marshlands, how they connect to the ocean and those ecosystems and then you know a little bit about the people that lived in those areas and then like we hear a lot about Kaya's research with like the insects that she's talking about some of the birds and different other like behavior patterns in animals so i found that part interesting and you know it has a vibe it's like oh, this yeah. kind of like moody dramatic story you know coming of age and like I did have a lot of problems with it, but it was entertaining and kind of interesting. And I don't know, the movie was just like so silly yeah. at times that I was like I can't.
0: I mean, look at
2: Dina.
0: <laughs> I haven't laughed at a movie quite that hard in a while as watching tate cut into that cake like a total sociopath i love
1: how like caught up on this you are (laughs) like i
0: i just i can't just there's no part of me that can justify what he did yeah that's that's the the the, the takeaway from this yeah so yeah i i'm I'm fine with disagreeing on this one yeah they're both kind of disposable for me honestly
1: (laughs) yes and of course we have to have the the lines in the book and the movie where they actually say the title of it
0: quite a few times yeah a lot yeah she says where the crowd dad's saying multiple times yeah (laughs) all right let's let's do a lightning round let's do
1: it So I'm very sad to have to share this news with you all. (laughs) We're
0: starting on a a downer.
1: (laughs) But there is a part in the book where Kaya is hanging out with Tate. This is when she's like 14 or 15-ish. And around this time, Mabel gives her a bra and is like, you need to start wearing this, honey. And then Kaya gets her period.
0: (laughs) She saw a bra and then immediately got her period. Immediately got
1: her period. And like Tate is the one that's with her when she gets her period. And he's like, she doesn't know what it is. And he's like, Oh, I, I know what it is because I was in health class. And then he has to give her like brochures from school about her period and like, tell her about her period. And I'm like, this is just the most uncomfortable vibe I've ever experienced. And it's
0: so uncomfortable—the dialogue where he's like, "Do you know what's going on?" And she's like, "I don't know what's going on." <laughs> I listened to this on audiobooks, oh, so no. like these voices are like in my head. <laughs> That's what they sounded like the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was just like
1: an uncomfortable. And I didn't like that Tate was the one that was revealing this to her. It felt like a weirdly like sexual, but brotherly it, it was that confusing yeah, mixture yeah. where it could have just been mabel helping her oh, with yeah. why this. was it not mabel? why was it not mabel i don't know
0: i like yeah <laughs> completely ass backwards uh this is a two for the first scene in the film where she goes to the meadow to discover the feather two things two things are going on first thing Her wig. It is awful. (laughs) I'm like, I I don't really have an eye for that. Some people watch a movie and they're like, oh, look at that wig. That looks terrible. And I'm like, "Eh, it looks okay to me. This wig? And I would I would bet so much money on it that this being a wig, it could just be her hair being styled in a really unflattering, bad way. <laughs> but it's like the way it's parted down the middle, yeah. And you don't really see her hairline. The mm-hmm. the hair is kind of like tucked. It seems back like it's
1: a little too far forward on her head, and kind of
0: too like big and poofy, and uh, it, it it's really it was very distracting for a while. Yeah, and then also the setting for the meadow. Feels so weirdly. I don't know if it's just the way they, like the post production, yeah, or the way it was shot. It feels like they're in like fucking heaven or something. I know
1: it's like weirdly bright and sparkly. The
0: lighting, yeah, overly green and lush. It feels like it was filmed on the volume, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's like that LED enclosure that they film like the Mandalorian on Mm -hmm. it's like the newest technology where you're actually like displaying scenes around people yeah but it has also like a weird vibe where everything's like kind of big and weird and bright
1: yeah other sets you know in the marsh like her cabin felt a lot more realistic and kind of incorporating a lot of different elements into it and I, I think it looked really good but this was like a strange scene A strange set. I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, no, it didn't hit the mark.
1: (laughs) Uh, Next for lightning round, in the book when Tate discovers that his wife, dead wife, did a murder, he also discovers that she was a secret poet this whole time and was publishing poems under a pseudonym. And in fact, throughout the book, Kaya quotes these Amanda Hamilton poems, which are actually just her poems that she's quoting whenever she has the need.
0: I... I, I couldn't even wrap my head around this reveal at the end. Yeah. That she's been quoting her own poems the whole time. <laughs> to but, herself. But being like, oh, this reminds me of an Amanda Hamilton poem. Am I right? I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's a pretty great poet. <laughs>
1: but it's really funny because Tate, when he finds this out, he was like, oh, I always thought the the Amanda Hamilton poems were like kind of weak. She was like a weak poet. Like <laughs> yeah like what you thought that your wife's poems were weak but you didn't know that they were your wife's poems
0: like yeah how much did you shit on these poems to her like how much did she try to read how much them? did you
1: complain oh amanda hamilton publishes another one
0: Ugh. when's she gonna like <laughs> give it up i'm convinced this was uh what's the author's name delia delia i'm convinced this is her kind of like lampshading the fact that like she's probably not the best poet and yeah. like trying to self-acknowledge that a bit in this story since she spent so much time putting her own poetry in this book. That's true. I, I That's my theory. anyway. <laughs> uh, last for lightning round. I just have to mention, I thought this was like maybe like also kind of silly in the book, but it's not quite the same as seeing it. And that is like uh, her process of getting these books published. Cause we just see she has this like smattering of illustrations that are fine, yeah, they're pretty amateur. They're not that great. Like I'm sure there's some scientific merit to them, mm-hmm. but you know, everyone's like, "Oh my god, these are amazing!" and I'm like, "Eh, they're okay." <laughs> and then. She gets them, she's just like, I, like, I don't, what does she send them? Is it just a bunch of drawings? I think so. And then they just mail her back a book. Yeah. Like a whole book that's like formatted and laid out and a graphic designer <laughs> had to like sweat over like arranging. Them. I'm like, did she see a proof of this beforehand? Like yeah. how did we get from point A of just these illustrations that she had to like point B of an entire published editorialized well, and book. she's
1: not going there
0: it's all who no, the mail that's yeah. the thing is i'm like she's not having meetings she doesn't have a she doesn't have a laptop she's not getting emails about this ian this is the 1960s like i i don't know how this book got made yeah is what i'm saying and her shell book her shell book yeah yeah, yeah not, not not the actual book <laughs> not where the crawdad's saying although maybe that too but like yeah it just feels like weird and everyone's like oh my god your books are so great and i'm like Mm -hmm. i don't how much did you contribute to the book other than just like the sketches yeah because so much more of this was done that wasn't you yeah any this is me as a graphic designer i think just ranting (laughs) about wanting to know i feel bad for the poor designer who had to do all that work and gets none of the credit
1: (laughs) all right so that let that wraps up our lightning (laughs) round and this episode Uh, Also, just want to give a quick shout out to the theater employee that we talked to after watching this movie. Um, We told you about our podcast. Hopefully you're listening to it now. Please let us know your thoughts on the book and movie. And also, we hope that you guys aren't too disappointed in our opinions on the, the book and movie. We know this book is wildly popular and there are a lot of things about it that I think are good and that I like, but I also have a lot of issues with it. So here we are.
0: But I also know it's divisive, too. Like, a lot yeah. of people have had issues with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm really curious to hear what people are thinking. Were, yeah. were you digging it? Weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to listen to us anymore after we just (laughs) ripped it to shreds (laughs) mercilessly? Uh, Let us know. Please consider becoming a patron of ours. We don't do ads on the podcast just to keep the momentum going. And the only way we make any revenue is through Patreon. Mm -hmm. If you join our Patreon, you get access to monthly bonus episodes. That's like 50% more content than just the regular podcast. As well as monthly schedules, uh, priority recommendations, and access to our Discord. So much good stuff. Please consider joining uh, visit coveredcredits.com for access to, or for links to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all mm-hmm. that good stuff.
1: You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And now you can rate us on Spotify as well.
0: Yeah, that's something we just found out recently. Only star ratings. I don't think you can write reviews, but yeah. the star ratings are incredibly helpful. And you can also follow us on Spotify as well, which, mm-hmm. which also helps our metrics. So
1: Yeah, so hit that, that star rating or write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.
0: See you next time. Bye. Bye.